Hello, my lovelies. Welcome back to Storytime with the Intimacy Ally. I am joined today by Ms. Adelina Adler. Uh, she and I met because we were both in the Sexual Health Alliance uh, sex coaching program. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have since become uh, colleagues and friends and joined each other in networking groups and hopefully we'll get to see each other in person one of these days soon soon yes <laughs> i will find myself there <laughs> and uh she's a she they as pronouns mm -hmm. and we like to normalize pronouns so i'm going to hand it over to you and ask if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I am Adelina Adler, pronouns she, they. I am a sex coach and educator based out of Northeastern North Carolina, Southeastern North Carolina. Um, and I'm focused on GSRD or gender, sexual, and relationship diverse communities. I've got over four years of experience in empowerment, education, and community building initiatives. And I'm a former sex worker, current kinkster, and host of my own podcast, Sexplorations with Adelina Adler, available on YouTube and Spotify and soon to be revamped and coming back out. So look, look forward to that. <laughs> you are so busy. Oh my goodness. Sounds like hands that. in every pot. Mm, I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you never run out of interesting things to say. So I know that it's totally worth it that you have your hands in so many pots. Um, so we're going to talk today about the myths surrounding virginity. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'll start this off with why it came up. Um, for me, which is, I was talking to another person on the show about religion and how it plays into the guilt, shame, fear mm -hmm. of sexuality. Mm -hmm. And she was a LCSWC, um, you know, licensed uh, professional counselor, social worker. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that's not what that means. I think it's licensed licensed, I can't remember, licensed clinical social worker. There yes. we go. That's the one. Um, but she had read this book uh, by Jessica Valenti that is the purity myth, how, our Amer how America's obsession with virginity is hurting young women. And we talked a little bit about that, but we just scratched the surface. So I felt like it really deserved its own episode because I know from my personal experience, um, it meant something like it really, really meant something to me. Like when I was a virgin, when I wasn't a virgin and like where that line broke for me. Mm -hmm. And then as I got older, it was like, oh, so that doesn't mean when this happens or that doesn't necessarily have to align with this person's thought of what my virginity means. Um, so I feel like that's really important. And also I know that you have all of this amazing knowledge about the history of it. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'd really love to know where would you like to start? Well, uh, first and foremost, I think it's also important to kind of touch on the fact that this was something that I grew up believing was pivotal to my value and existence, too. I grew up in a very conservative uh, Christian household mm -hmm. and with a lot of the messaging and ideologies that we're going to discuss today. And I know firsthand how that affected me psychologically and um the amounts of shame and ideas of self-worth that it implanted in me from a very young age. And I continue to see this in other people and how it affects them. Like a lot of times in my work and what also a big part of what drove me to my work um, was detangling a lot of the aftermath that comes Ooh. from people having this kind of idea or relationship with their sex and their bodies um, that kind of puts them at odds with each other. So I remember the process that I went through to kind of deconstruct and challenge and re-examine those, um, those paradigms. And so I kind of did a crash course really 
quick little version of that for this podcast today with uh, I, you knew as soon as I saw this on your list of ideas, a, a fire lit up inside me because this is <laughs> it is so close to home. Really, like, this is the one. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I was like, what could I just go ham on? <laughs> and it is this. It is this. Um, absolutely. Uh, I did want to start off with uh, just a note for our listeners out there, too, um, referring to the language that we're going to be using. Um, uh, I'm going to be referring a lot to gender in the binary sense here because unfortunately our society is obsessed with the idea of gender roles. And while gender itself- Almost as much as they're obsessed with the idea of virginity, right? Yes. I mean, it's part of the gender role over here discussion. It really is tantamount to it. And while we understand, you know, that gender is a construct, is a societal construct and is not a dichotomous strict binary by any means, um, the way our society has treated it is of particular relevance to this topic. So just keep that in mind during the duration of the program. And also on that note, uh, I will be referring mostly to the Western experience of virginity and sexuality. So while a lot of these ideas can be applicable to um, Eastern and other areas as well, mostly what's going to be looked at, especially historically speaking here, is going to be uh, Western influence. Too. Right. Because it really is like a whole different ball game mm-hmm. when you get into other countries, other cultures, what have you. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, honestly, but I'm going to stay in the lane that I'm familiar okay. with. So that's why, that's why I'm mm-hmm. just going to be like, it can't be a broad stroke kind of thing gotcha. or situation. So, yeah. All right. So let's jump in. Um, Mm -hmm. What are you going to share with us about the history of the notion of virginity? All right. Buckle up, buckaroos, because it's a long one here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first off, I want to start by examining who is getting these messages given to them. Because, you know, it's technically both men and women get these messages to certain degrees, especially throughout like childhood and adolescence. However, there is a significance in the emphasis placed on the importance of women's virginity specifically. You don't say. I, I know. Imagine that. It's, oh, it's, they don't want us to have the sex? No. no never. <sighs> they never police our pussies. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course not. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right. So we, we have this idea. It's tied to the idea of purity value, goodness, and worth. And it's framed usually as different because a vagina is seen as receiving and passive versus uh, the penis or the active and giving role. I remember growing up and hearing that argument as well when discussing Mm. this with friends and saying, well, why is it different for me to be sexually active and it's completely okay for you? And the argument I'd get is, well, you know, you're allowing somebody into your body, like somebody's entering your body. And I was like, eh, okay, well, weird. But we see this even in the language and the linguistic principles. Of the fact, uh, the word vagina uh, is from the Latin meaning sheath and scabbard, which directly defines it in relation and correspondence to the penis. Uh, vulva, too, comes from the Latin for womb, again, framing uh, the region in relation to its service, especially in, in the male um, aspect. Um, uh, and while we're at it, virgin comes from the Latin virgo, meaning an unmarried woman. So virginity in its own context is a feminine idea or a feminine-centered idea uh, in and of itself. So while we see messages kind of geared towards both, there is a very strong, like the people who are getting the virginity tests are women. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very much on, on, on the woman's side that, that it seems to be a problem for society. Um, there's also a cultural, an interesting cultural carryover from Roman ideologies on masculinity. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so Thomas Nelson Winter in 1973 in his book, uh, Catalyst Purified, A Brief History of Carmen 16, which was looking at uh, Catalyst, the, the Roman poets, uh, kind of saucy and, 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 uh, yeah, it was it was very mm, at the time. Let's censor this. Uh, nice. 
Um, he writes that apparently Catalyst and his contemporaries believed that a man could do almost anything sexually and remain respectable so long as he stayed within the masculine role. And we see this fact and um, uh, ideas like it a lot of in the LGBTQ arguments as well, uh, defining that like the idea of homosexuality wasn't necessarily even a thing, uh, even in Greco-Roman times. Like as long as you could have sex with anyone if you were a man, as long as they were of lower status than you, and as long as you were, you know, like the top, and you were the one in control, and your manhood, right. and idea of masculinity was preserved. So, um, <laughs> so over time, like. As the messages have branched out and kind of molded, the original source of these kind of core ideas uh, remains. Uh, in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the original messages of virginity are, are historically utilitarian, but I'll get back okay. to that later. So okay. where, where do we get these messages usually? Like, what, what would you say are some of the places we, we hear these kind of... Oh, so... I feel like I heard it through movies and TV more than I did like in my home. Uh, okay. I had a I had a very different like upbringing. I'm the baby of six. Like by the time they got to me and my brother, who's only a little older, like they were kind of done, like just kind of checked out and like oh, go you know be her. home <laughs> at some time, you know. But in movies, you would you know things. You would hear things like, uh, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Mm -hmm. Um, You would see these terrible interpretations and like after school specials or even like the TV shows that we were watching where people would lose it and then they would just feel so terrible, Mm -hmm. so broken Mm -hmm. and everything changed and they can never get it back. Oh, and you can never get it back. That was a that was a thing I remember from like high school. Yeah. 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 That yeah. that is definitely on the list that I made here. Um I started with uh sex ed classes in school, which while the the focus wasn't necessarily on Virginia itself, like the ones that focused on abstinence a lot mm-hmm. uh tended to frame sex through risk. Um and I remember having this exposure chart, which I linked to you and anyone, all you have to do is look up Google exposure chart and you'll see it. It's this chart that has like all these bodies and it says, and it's supposed to give you how many bodies you're exposed to the more people you have sex with. The idea being that you're having sex with the, all the people that those people had sex with too. Right. And it's really funny to me because I even ran into like a, a modern idea of that in the spiritual community uh, in another uh, podcast I was being interviewed in where they're like, Mm-hmm. We don't like, uh, there's a thought about, you know, frowning upon casual sex because their energy stays with you and it clings onto mm-hmm. you. And I was like, oh, listen, it's giving a lot of exposure chart, actually. And like, if you're a healer, like in this community, if, if you're a healer or anything like you're exposed to people's energies all the time. This is why sage is a thing. So, <laughs> but like, there's this idea that you're tainted, you're impure, you're getting tarnished. You're getting right. tarnished. It's giving the chewed up bubblegum analogy. So mm-hmm. we get it also from parents who are just, you know, passing down what they were taught. Peers in media, which is what mm-hmm. you were talking about. We get a lot of the Madonna versus whore complex kind of modalities. Um, Even where, though you're supposed to be both, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the lady in the street, but a freak in the bed. I said, Yes, kind of thing mm-hmm. like that. We hear all these male podcasts talking about body counts and their preoccupation with women's body counts, um, right? which honestly stems from insecurity of men, because if you're a virgin, you have nothing to compare your experience to. Like, Right. <laughs> the, the people who used to have a problem with a high body count, I found, were the ones who were the most insecure about their sexual prowess, and they were worried about competition. And right. how they would measure up. It's a very egocentric um, mm-hmm. preoccupation, honestly. Absolutely. And then we come so, to... The, oh, go, no, no, go ahead. No, no, no. Come on, come on, bring it, bring it. I want to hear the last one that you had. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I don't know, because this is the big one that, that, that trails off into others. So, All right, come on. Okay. We got <laughs> religion. <laughs> and which is where it started with you guys and why we're here today here. So mm-hmm. many Christian or puritanical and honestly other 
kind of patriarchal based religions too. Like we see Mormonism, a bunch of others. Oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Beliefs emphasize staying pure for future spouses, uh, usually turning a blind eye, however, to boys' sexual behaviors. Um, we see the role of the woman as being subservient and serving her husband. Virginity is loyalty and part of serving. Um, it's posed as an act of love and devotion to the future spouse, as well as a testament to your holiness. Um, at this rate, then, your body is not seen as your own, but a gift to be given to your husband. And that's why white is worn on the wedding gown as a representative of your purity and untouchedness. Um, right. Mm-hmm. So with that. Super gross. <laughs> I mean, we've got Super like gross. purity balls, virginity balls, where fathers will like mm-hmm. vow to protect their daughter's virginities. And they will like kind of pseudo marry their fathers in, in like a symbolic way until mm-hmm. he gives her forward to you know the man who's supposed to be her husband and take her virginity and live happily ever after um oh, so super gross and cool there's, there's a lot of layers oh my god me. but like i remember <sighs> in that space it felt like it was the ultimate act of love and of proving yourself like there was this idea of like oh i am a special gift like you it's phrased like you're the special thing, but it is ultimately an objectification of your value um, in that way. Uh, we see this because, yeah, and then virginity directly ties to your value in this sense. Like you get all these analogies bombarded with you, the plucked flower analogy. Have you ever heard that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, if you're uh, there's a flower in a beautiful garden grove and it's desired by all. But as soon as it is plucked, it withers and dies and loses its value. Or uh, the way I heard it from a boy trying to degrade me was that um, every partner plucks your petals. And at the end, who just wants a nasty little stem? Hmm. <laughs> That's how Delightful. it was said to me. I was like, oh, cute. Or we See, get the- this takes me back to TV with mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin. Because ah. did you ever watch that show? No, I was I was a shut in. I wasn't allowed to watch secular TV. <laughs> uh, all right. So Jane the Virgin is amazing. Um, and it's all about kind of reinterpreting this story that's happening in the US through like a, a format of telenovelas. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but Jane the Virgin, her grandmother says, You see this flower, and then crushes it up and says, That's what happens if you give it away. It's destroyed, isn't it? So then she doesn't want to uh, have sex. And then, oh, that that whole theory of once it's gone, it's gone, or that it's destroyed, or that it makes you this disgusting, unwanted thing if you get rid of it. Holy oh, shit. Girl, it becomes even more <sighs> evident with the chewed gum analogy, which is one I recently learned of that's going around where uh the instructor will ask oh do you want a piece of gum and the person will say mm-hmm. yeah and then he chews on it and then tries to give you the chewed piece of gum and that's supposed to be like oh you don't want it if it's been chewed by somebody else it's mm-hmm. equating you to trash chewed gum mm-hmm. is something that goes in the garbage so you get this analogy of your utility your beauty your value if you lose your virginity is mm-hmm. done I did see right. a funny a funny take on it on TikTok where they tried to reverse it uh to be like like the male centered version where it was a pencil sharpener analogy and she <laughs> and she kept sharpening the pencil she's like who wants to use a nubby little pencil it's been used by every other sharpener and i laugh because you know honestly it's the, it's the same feeling but we don't see it ever framed that way it is always right in the feminine centered language i mean and like you said like we use the language of losing our virginity because again once you lose it your value is lost under this land what changes fundamentally is your value as a prospective long-term partner and as a woman. So, um, so what I did when, after growing up with this kind of lovely idea, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, was look at the historical importance of virginity. Like when did this begin? Was it always like this? And the answer is 
No. Kind of? No. Yes, but not in the way that we think. Um, (laughs) So the original purpose and utility value of virginity is tied to the anthropological theory of paternity uncertainty. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Uh, It's the same reason that in the Jewish religion, uh, it passes through the mom because they couldn't trust us hoes. Yes. So basically, well, like while a woman can be 100 percent certain that her kids are her own, the man cannot. Um, This is and so while this is different in modern times where there's like blood tests and things like that, um, back then uh, when marriage was a tool to expand families, accumulate wealth and form alliances uh, or like in her book, Marriage, a History, uh, Stephanie Kuntz writes, it was a way of getting in-laws and making alliances and expanding the family labor force. Um, daughters were bartered and marriages were a matter of familial convenience and strategy. So when it came, yeah. So when it came Mm -hmm. to passing down your estates and inheritances, it became really useful to know that the heir was actually your blood. And then, um, in certain societies that started creating property rights and marriage laws, um, that passed property down to children monogamous marriages were a way of legitimizing those children's. And this is according to the research done by Dr. Uh, and I'm, I apologize for my pronunciation here, Aparaita Gidigunta. Um, so men could now claim wives and children as their property. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it was a lot cleaner when you were sure that it wasn't the baker's son. But, um, oh, fun fact, fun fact. During my anthropological uh studies when I back when I was an anthropology major and before I switched to so many other things one of the projects we did locally for the city I live in was to digitize old deeds uh old property deeds and I found something really fun which was the language to have and to hold was used in exchange of property like we're talking about slaves oh wow talking about like like buildings and businesses so Mm -hmm. the to have and to hold part of your marriage vow comes from the language of property passing on it comes from this era wild um Mm -hmm. so man and wife it's not like man and woman is man and wife because you're getting handed over my wife yes yep exactly so um Later on, uh, consent of the couple and family approval um, started kind of becoming considered as a prerequisite factor that could be kind of like a part of it. Um, But in the West, it wasn't until the 18th and 19th century that marriage based on romance as the ideal started to emerge. Uh, Along with the Industrial Revolution and Enlightenment era came these ideas of individualism. And along with that, uh, people choosing their own partners for the first time and leaving their community like estates or things like that and forming more familial kind of nuclear structures in the city. Uh, started becoming more of the norm. And after that, the ideas of the Romanticism era started really gassing up this idea of love being the the ideal uh, force behind marriage. And along with that, of course, um, there there was this um, these values concerning virginity. And Also, along this whole time, especially in the 1800s, we saw continued societal reformations that attempted to reel back sexuality and put purity on a pedestal. And if you want to read more about that, Mm -hmm. I suggest A Curious History of Sex by Kate Lister. Fantastic. Also, fantastic chapter on virginity on there, too. You're going to have to send me all of these things so I can put them in the show notes. You (laughs) know that, right? in the show notes. You're giving me like a whole bibliography here. (laughs) Oh, I've got them, girl. I've got them. I've got them set. (laughs) So what we see is even as society continued to change, so did the ways these messages were delivered uh, up until, you know, this day and age. Still, though, at Mm -hmm. the root of it lies this pervasive idea that virginity or sexual modesty is of pivotal importance and, again, value. In particular, it dictates women's value. So the next part is, of course, the harmful ramifications of this kind of framing. So sex is a natural thing. And sexuality is a natural human experience. I'm sure everyone who listens to your podcast probably agrees with that. Um, not Good to discount Lord the, and the crick don't rise. Yeah. <laughs> not to discount the ace community out there, though. You know, like valid mm-hmm. as well. But 
So these restrictions place great stress on the individuals trying to abide by them, like your value as a partner and sometimes even as a follower of your God or deity or religious beliefs and values are tied to this. So what we get is people struggling to fight their body's natural responses. In the Mm -hmm. psychological environment, it's no surprise then, sexual shame begins to grow rampant because if you Mm -hmm. fail, you've lost your value, you're seen as weak in your faith weaken your resolve, weaken upholding your own values, you're a chewed piece of gum, trash, again, incapable of trusting your body and yourself. And that is the censure here because it makes your sex and your body your enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what I've had to work through with clients. Mm. In response, we see people trying to find loopholes. And there's one that you mentioned in particular. Yeah. Yeah. uh, There's been this whole eruption. I don't know when it started, honestly, but I feel like it's been going on since I was in high school of people who are extremely Christian, um, Mm -hmm. Mormon, uh, generally in the more fanatical sex, I think, because I, I could be wrong because I, I actually am not Christian, so I don't know. Um, but they're they're like, okay, well, in the butt doesn't count mm-hmm. because it's not penis and vagina sex. That's what counts. Um, yeah. In the mouth doesn't count because that's not the vagina. That's all that we have to deal with here. It it kind of makes me feel like that's that's that you know myth of like sex or vir- virginity loss is equivalent to breaking the hymen. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, something along those lines. And, you know, I don't know about you, but my hymen got broken when I was like nine because I was riding my brother's bike and it had like the little bar like Mm -hmm. in between and I couldn't figure out how to make it break. So I jumped down Mm -hmm. and I broke my hymen. (laughs) Like. It's, so it's I didn't just, lose my virginity then, but it's just a little piece I broke my hymen. That, that stretches. <laughs> it usually doesn't even break. It stretches. And like, um, but the problem is like, you're right. Like that, that has for so long been the standard of checking female virginity or, or vaginal virginity is, mm-hmm. is the, the two finger test, the, the hymen test I've heard of. Oh, there was like recently this, this singer who was checking his daughter's virginity or having his daughter go to a doctor to consistently check her virginity. And I remember that was the first time I really wanted to make an episode about this. So I'm glad I I got to do this with you at some point in time, but (laughs) it's still a preoccupation. Um, But it's, it's really interesting here. Uh, Also, another good example is Mormons and soaking. Have you heard of soaking? Mm -mm. So for them, okay. So for some of them, they think that sex itself, it can be P and V, but as long as the P is, isn't thrusting. So what they'll do, sorry, what? yeah, as long as the penis isn't actually thrusting or moving actively and willfully inside of the vagina, then it's fine. So what they'll do is called soaking and they'll put it in, but they won't move. And maybe you'll have a good friend jump on the bed to kind of... <laughs> instigate movement no way yes i've had mormon friends it's a real thing it's a real thing (laughs) like the 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 loopholes that people get are are wild because again we're trying to fight our body's natural impulses without any you know sex ed to go along with it or healthy sexual outlets or anything like that you're taught that masturbation also is usually really bad so you've got Mm -hmm. a lot of pent up like huh. I remember reading my diary entries and I revisited them recently and your girl was holy and horny like I was constantly <laughs> I didn't you know I I did, hadn't watched pornography or anything so I didn't really know what I want but I knew I wanted you, knew you were hungry I wanted to know what for and hold hands vigorously and maybe Mm. maybe feel hugs maybe feel some just like hugs rub against somebody yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was ooh. Mm-hmm. and then i would be writing i was like oh god please please make me strong because i don't know if i can do it <laughs> like, oh. 
Luckily, and I was I hate that too. Like that, it's about strength, or it's about mm, it's your personal your will, your you will. know, your strength, what have you. It attacks you <laughs> on so many levels. It attaches itself to so much of your personal worth and like ability, like, mm-hmm. and that's why it's so in- in- invasive. Like, um. And it makes me laugh because it makes me think of like, you know, we get to what is the definition of sex. And you brought up a scene in in a movie. Uh, Chasing Amy? A Kevin Smith film. Yes. I like yeah. I love Chasing Amy Um, when I watched it's it. Like my favorite. Well, one of my favorite movies, but yeah. And I, the, what, what was the argument there? The, so uh, Holden has found out that Alyssa is a lesbian and he's like oh so you're a virgin because he assumes that she's never been with a man and assumption number one for him there but two she's like wait a second so you think that i can only have lost my virginity if i slept with a man and he's like well that's the standard and then (laughs) she says oh okay Mm -hmm. right she's like oh okay so if a if a girl is raped, then she's lost her virginity. And he's like, well, no. And she's like, oh, but according to you, she just had sex with a man. So that's the standard. And he's like, all right, well, not then. Um, he's like, okay, uh, it happens when the hymen's broken. And she has a similar story to mine um, that she fell at some point and broke hers. So she doesn't have one or didn't have one when she got old enough to be interested in sex. How about that? Uh then he sa- he says, "All right, uh, second second correction. Um, it happens when there's penetration." And she says, "Well, no." And he says, "Penetration from a man." Um, and she's like, "No." And he's like, "Oh, but you know, you can't have penetration." And she's like, "Uh." So <laughs> he's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> Come on. Right. Exactly. But the thing is. There's that definition that it has to be taken or destroyed or, you know, conquered oh. by oh. a man. On a weird, on a weird perspective, uh, my one of my partners, Dev, a cis male, um, he described having pure terror because he was also born in a religious household and grew up learning these ideas. And he expressed pure terror at his first time having sex with a woman because he felt like he was violating her. Like, no, even if it was consent, like in his mind, he tells the story in his mind, he had vilified himself for his first time having sex with a girl because he thought he had ruined her. Like, and then later on, later on, like as they were older, like, you know, she told him that she and some of her girlfriends were, you know, sharing stories about, you know, their sexual debuts and mm-hmm. which by the way, better term than losing virginity, sexual debuts. Let's normalize that one. But, mm-hmm. and you know, they were all sharing their terrible stories and like just lackluster things. And mm-hmm. she was like, I actually um, had a really nice experience. Uh, my person was super thoughtful, like really considerate, blah, blah, blah. And like, it boggled his mind to hear that because he had grown up with, yes, the the kind of reverse idea of this, of like, you are trespassing on someone's mm-hmm. body. and You are destroying her flower. Her value. How dare you? Her Unless you're going to take her. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, it's wild because like, I mean, if you're having the anal version of the sex, does the man lose his virginity then? Again, that's not the question. That is never the question like Mm -hmm. it's always about the woman's experience and yeah we our 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 lesbian pride parades just like virginity (laughs) right it's just like this is the land of virgins didn't you know Mm -hmm. but again like in that (laughs) lens in that lens it's heteronormative you're the the marriage the sanctity of it's supposed to be with a man and a woman you're supposed to procreate and give life and i mean i get it like that movie is from 1997 yeah it's a lot has changed and happened since Mm -hmm. then in many sex like in sex in many like areas you know uh in different groups of people 
they don't think this way anymore. It has changed a little bit, Mm -hmm. but then we get the next generation of what you were taught. Like, I remember mentioning that to you. Did you get to look at anything that Paul and Morgan do? No, I didn't actually get to see what, what they're, what they're. I'm so sorry. No, 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 this is an opportunity. I'm not sorry at all. Tell me, Sean. They're, they're just awful. They're the fucking worst. They are in the shiny, happy people documentary that's out right now about the fucking Duggars. And the thing about the Duggars is, you know, their oldest son was like molesting a bunch of their daughters because he came up in a fucking house where they don't tell you anything and they tell you not to sleep with anybody. And, and then you get curious, well, what are you going to do? Oh, you're going to go diddle your sister, right? Because you think that's okay, right? What's accessible. Yep. So these two are in the same faith base as the Duggars. They were in the Shiny Happy People um, documentary. And they do all this crap on YouTube and Instagram. And that's how they've gotten famous for being a couple that like she slept with someone before she slept with him, but they're married and he forgave her for losing her virginity and for being a woman who came to him as virginity-less all the time. (laughs) Mm. But they also give all this fucking dating and Christian moral and relationship and marriage advice and there's like i said twenty thousand followers on their instagram i mean because it's still a pervasive idea like in in these purity culture um spaces where that is part of you know the aforementioned role that you're supposed to play this idea has not gone extinct. Like on the wider on the wider kind of scale, yes, we do see a lot more information with this information age being passed out, and uh, you know, teenagers and adolescents are at least more aware of like consent and things like that, and and what and starting to have these discussions, hopefully, about like what constitutes the idea of sex. Because I mean, even in my subjective definition of it that I came up with, which uh, was the experience of intentional, continuous, erogenous arousal involving two or more persons. And again, it's a subjective experience because Mm -hmm. definitions are slightly, are are different. Like somebody, for somebody, uh, oral sex is sex to them. And for somebody Mm -hmm. else, maybe it it doesn't count. Um, And that's why it's important to talk about these things before engaging with anyone. Just, just, but like, it's, it's still very pervasive. And like, unfortunately, it leads to like people jumping into bad relationships early, like toxic mm-hmm. situationships that they uh, trigger warning, uh, talk of uh, SA and mm-hmm. R. Um, for my experience, I lost my virginity at 14. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't consensual. Um, in that instance, I remember because I was a little uh, holy horn dog, as I said beforehand, I was mm-hmm. very excited and eager for the makeouts and and that nearness. Um, but the partner I had at the time uh, was one of those who, dumb boy, we'll just say he was really dumb and just as misled and um, ignorant to a lot mm-hmm. of the factors at play. And we, I'm 35. This was from a time before these talks of like, you know, consent and and continuous consent and all of these things were going on. And a lot of these other myths like blue balls and, oh, it hurts. Eh." It was a real, it was a thing that was widely believed. So like he would say it physically pained him to not be able to release or do anything or to have this sexual tension. So I remember that, oh, yes, let's take breaths. So I remember that, like, you know, he would try to get me to do certain things. I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. You go into the other half of the basement, which was kind of walled off, and you take care of that yourself. But Mm -hmm. that encroached more and more. At one point in time, I will admit, I did try. I did try to have sex with him. And it hurt a lot. And I, it, I didn't get really far at all past like 
you know, just the tip. And I was like, no, 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 never mind. This is not, no, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Plus, no, the way I was getting around it in my head was, it's okay. We're going to get married after this. So, <laughs> the naivete. But so, but the time it did happen, I remember that it kind of seemed like a calculated thing. Like the family all conveniently left at the same time on a walk and left us mm-hmm. alone. And it was, I remember when people say that they go into this space of uh, disassociation, it's a very real thing. Um, yep. With many people I've spoken to, they you know, have similar experiences. Because, you know, whereas that first time when I was actively attempting it, things hurt, I felt absolutely nothing. But all I could mm-hmm. see was the image of my white dress up in flames and the disapproval oh, wow. of my parents. And I remember <laughs> looking at him with tears in my eyes saying, I'm not pure anymore. And oh, honey. he started bawling on top of me. Granted, okay. <laughs> so he was like, no, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We'll get married. It'll be fine. And I was like, yeah. But <laughs> like, so yeah, like, and, and you know, needless to say, spoiler alert, that did not happen. I got dumped like two weeks later and carried mm-hmm. that secret in myself for two years that it had mm. happened. And I tried to like recontextualize it and like remap it cognitively in my head and like kind of rewrite the story. So I was in power and like consenting mm-hmm. and things like that. But the reality of it was no. I mean, bittersweet ending was when I did reunite with him like two years later. So after I was a sexually autonomous individual and already active, the first thing he asked me was, I am so sorry, Adelina, did I ruin your life? So he had carried that with him, but like that just the harm that comes from having that idea and that pressure placed on you Mm -hmm. is so, so grave. Because I can only imagine how it would have been if I had grown up in an environment that, you know, was sexually positive and, you know, taught me about sexual debuts and like what, instead of like framing it as an all or nothing thing, like this is going to be, you should be supposed to be looking for your husband, your one person. This is the person you're going to devote your whole life to. Instead of framing it so drastically, it was a more natural thing of, listen, here's how you can do this responsibly. These are some things to look out for, red flags, things like that. God, the relationship I would have. Here are some lessons on consent. Here is the way that you, it's not a blanket term. Like Mm -hmm. you can rescind it at any point during Mm -hmm. this act. It's not going to hurt him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, things like that. And uh, that you're just trying somebody on. Like you don't have to think of it as anything harder than that though. I don't like that phrase either because it still sounds kind of like, you're using somebody, you're sharing an experience with people. You're sharing experiences with people. And this is learning. You're allowed to, I saw a really good, a really good analogy on Reddit. They, this person, I forgot the user's name, but they said that it's, they would like to view sex as um, a cast iron skillet. So yeah, like you take adds to the seasoning. Yes. And you take care of it. You learn how to maintain it and cultivate it. And so, Mm -hmm. yes. And the flavors become more robust and enriched and nurtured and complex. Mm -hmm. The more you have, you know, the more you experience it well, you know, or or mindfully like, so, you know, because of course I, I don't like broad generalizations and I do think that things in, in moderate, not moderation, but like excess can be bad like can have mm-hmm. can have its flags but yeah right. like how different that would have been and how much better absolutely and just freeing and allowing you to be a kid who doesn't have to worry about things like that and then being a young adult who doesn't have to worry about that being such a heavy burden mm-hmm. while you're trying to let your brain develop i was about to say know, neurologically speaking there is a certain part of your brain that is responsible because another another major i went through was neuroscience of course it was dude i've been a geek (laughs) so like there's a certain part of your brain um 
that is, and again, my things are fuzzy. This was a while back that I learned this, that is responsible for like vicarious, not vicarious learning, but like kind of the math that goes on that allows you to kind of think about the consequences of your actions Mm -hmm. um, in layman's terms. Um, That doesn't develop fully in most people until you're about 25. So like, and this is why we see teenagers uh, like, going into doing riskier behaviors or indulging in riskier behaviors that part hasn't quite developed yet and this the 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 caretaking of your your gift your virginity is such a long-term thing it's it's being uh framed in this long-term investment kind of stance which you don't necessarily have the capacity to manage by yourself nevertheless with such poor information and education on your side and all of these fear-based uh incentives and initiatives right like yeah it's it's wild wild wild. (laughs) well i i was gonna ask you what can we do moving forward but i feel like you already answered it (laughs) talking about it as in a sexual debut instead of losing your gift or, Mm -hmm. you know, giving away the milk for free or crushing the flower or whatever the shitty term or imagery is that you had. Uh, Try not to share that with your kids. Try not to share that with your little nieces and nephews, your cousins, people who look up to you, people who are coming to you, asking you in your faith-based communities, in your, you know, work communities, in, you know, your school areas, whatever. Don't propagate this. And I think that's why I find it so important to share the history of things because I want, it was important for me to understand and grasp the amount of what are societal constructs? What is a thing that changes with society based on its needs and priorities at the time? A lot of these ideas are based on the culture around it, which means they are not immutable. They are subject to change. These are not necessarily valid sources to base your ideas of personal value on. So when I learned Mm -hmm. the history, I was able to say, oh, do I agree with this? Does this still hold water? What then is my sexuality, my relationship with it? What is my value on my terms? What Mm -hmm. are values that I can stand by? And Build it from there because there are some people who will want to be more modest with the sharing of the experience of their bodies. And that's all for them. As long as they are able to make that from an autonomous, informed space, that's golden. Like, not not this fear-based fear-mongering this this it's going to ruin you it's going to ruin you also this objectified space like honestly like for the ways that we talk about sexual objectification i do find that this is glaringly missing when it is one of the biggest pervasive ideas of sexual objectification that we abide by Mm -hmm. this has become so normalized and yet when we get down to it as i've shown the base comes to it as your sex is seen as your value. And you know what? This still pervades. Like, this is why we have such jealousy around our mm-hmm. relationships. Like, I, I am um, a polyamorous relationship anarchist person. And whenever I used to talk to people about this, they would always say, well, I, I can never do that. And when I prod further, it's because, especially for a lot of women, there's this belief that some sultry vixen, somebody who has better sex than you, is going to take your love and your security away. And when we have framed the value of women based on their sex so much, yeah, that makes god dang sense. Like right. that's why. That's it it has really infected a lot of how we approach these dynamics with one another and with ourselves. So it's really important to start the deconstruction process and kind of scrutinizing uh, where we have gotten these ideas and how far they permeated. And if we want to choose to allow that to continue, or if we would rather adopt as society continues to do and is natural to do a more healthy 
and fitting idea for what sex and virginity and our relationship to our sexuality means to us. Mm-hmm. Preach. <laughs> word. So much word on that. Oh, <laughs> Adelina. Mm, she never fails to impress. Thank they you. never fail to impress. Thank you. Uh, all right. So we're going to have to wrap up. Um, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I hope you'll come back on. Oh, absolutely. About something else. You let me know when the next thing gets sucked into play on that list. You know, you had so <laughs> many good ones there. I, I'm, I'm more than eager. <laughs> Yay. All right. Um, well, my lovelies, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe at www.theintimacyally.com if you want to get your free self-love guide or if you want to find out more about my course that's coming up next year. Uh, it is called Making Online Dating Magical. Oh, yes. If you're looking for some of this, I want to help you get it. So. If you are only listening to this, I just held up my ring finger because I'm a nerd and really, really <laughs> excited to get uh, married next year. So. Oh, shoot. Well, congrats. Congrats. Yeah, that's the stuff. If you can see this video, those are his photographs behind me. Woo. So oh. cool. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, and Adelina, how can people find you? How can they work with you? Excellent. Um. First and foremost, you can always Google my name, Adelina Adler, E-A-D-E-L-I-N-A. A-D-L-E-R. And my little Wix site will pop on up right there. You can also find me on Instagram at Ask Addy Adler. A-D-D-Y. A-D-L-E-R. And um, you can also, again, pretty soon by the time I guess this is released or sometime in December, I'll be opening and launching a Discord channel named Sexplorations! Exclamation point with Adelina Adler. And there we will have we will host or I'll host a community of people that of other sex nerds or people who are sex explorers and curious folks who want to get together, share community, talk and uh, have these kinds of discussions. I even opened up a, a segment called sexual philosophy. So so people can just kind of. Ooh, yeah, I'm so excited for it. I'm just learning Discord, guys. So it, it's, it takes a minute. I'm, I'm a geriatric millennial here. Um, and, but yeah. You can also look Oh, that's up- all fantastic. Yeah. It's all fantastic. Sorry. You can also look up. You can also just look up uh, Sexplorations with Adelina Adler on YouTube and Spotify again. Uh, it is older. Uh, I will start uh, re-launching uh, series. I just started uh, interviewing some people for that. So as soon nice. as I edit and get that Hands ball. in every pot. Yeah. Hands in every pot. I'm Addie. a depressing girl, though. So it takes a minute. It's going to be a slow pot burn. It's, it's all good. And I, and I will absolutely add all of those uh, links in the mm-hmm. show notes. Excellent. So people will be able to find them lickety split. I did link right. to that thing I sent you. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. All right. Well, I hope that everybody out there will uh, stay curious, be kind, and strive to have the best love and sex that you can. Bye. <laughs>